Well, hello and good morning. Good morning and welcome to St. Peter's Free Church of Scotland. My name is Craig. I'm the minister in training here. And let me offer you an especially warm welcome if you are visiting us or looking into the claims of Jesus Christ. As always, tea and coffee is served at our two serving stations at the back of the hall. And I encourage you all, why not stick around and perhaps speak to somebody this Sunday you've never spoken to before? Well, of course, we are here this morning to worship God. Hear our call to worship from Psalm 95 this morning. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. This morning we carry on our series looking at the Christmas songs in Luke's gospel. And we are in uh, Luke chapter 2 today with the angel song to the shepherds. Last week we, we were reminded that when we reflect on Christmas, it causes us to sing. So let's stand and sing our first two songs this morning. Hark the glad sound the Saviour comes, which will be sung to the tune of Crediton. And then remain standing for angels from the realms of glory. Let's stand and sing.
Well, please do be seated. Psalm 95, we heard raised our call to worship continues. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our master, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Let's come before him and pray together. Let me pray. Our great God and Father, we confess and acknowledge that you are God. You are the creator. We are your creation. Your son, Jesus Christ, is our great shepherd. We are your flock who live under his care. What an amazing thing it is that you are the God who is above. The God who made us, who knitted us together in our mother's wombs, and to whom you have placed your image. And yet you are not merely above and distant, for you are near. You dwell amongst us. You lead us, you guide us, you care for us. For you are our shepherd. And you do this for us, whose hearts crowd and confess that we are prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. Take our hearts, Lord, take and seal them. Seal them for your courts above. Because that is where we long to be. Because that is where you are, Lord Jesus. For you are our joy, our delight. May we meet you today in your word, we ask. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue our time of prayer together this morning as we don't say a confession of sin like perhaps we normally do, but instead we say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We turn now to our New Testament reading this morning, which is a passage which Andy will be preaching on shortly. After our readings, it's custom for the reader to say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you agree, we respond by saying, thanks be to God. So in Luke chapter 2, reading from verses 8 to 20 on page 1027 in the Church Bibles, and David will read that for us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David... A Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom 
his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. They run through our notices for us as a church this morning. As always, there's more in our weekly email. If you don't receive that and you'd like to, please do speak to me after the service, where you can also see more information on the slides. First up, we have two notices about Sunday school. Some dates for your diary. It's a Sunday school Christmas party happening here on Saturday the 14th from 2 o'clock to 3.30 p.m. If you'd like more details about that, please speak to uh, John Murdoch after the service. And then during the Christmas break... There'll be no Sunday school on Sunday the 22nd and the 29th of December. So Christmas party, Saturday the 14th, no Sunday school on the 20, 22nd and 29th of December. And then finally, one note as well for us all. Next Sunday evening, uh, Sunday the 15th, in our evening service, we will also be having a nativity play as well as part of that. Something I'm sure will be worth coming to see. Great. That's our notice. is nice and swift this morning. Let me hand over to Andy. He's going to do our children's address this morning. Okay, boys and girls, if you want to come down to the front. Grab a seat, bud. Great. Okay, boys and girls, let me ask you a question. Have any of you here... Oh, hello. Have any of you here ever met a king or a queen? You have. Which one? In Stirling Castle. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Have you met a king or a queen? You've been to the castle, but you've not seen a king or a queen. Let me tell you, I almost met the Queen. The Queen came to Dundee one time. She was opening up a dance studio on the Kingsway, uh, and I was there as part of a samba band. Don't ask. Uh, and uh, the Queen came, and I thought she was going to stop and say hi to me, but she didn't. She just drove right past me. But I saw her. I was pretty close. I want to tell you a story. Let me tell you a story, and it's about King, a king of this country, King George V. Um, now, King George, when he was a very little boy, in the run-up to Christmas, it was very snowy outside, him and his brother Edward were in the palace in London, in Buckingham Palace, and they were looking outside, and they were seeing the snow falling, and they saw a group of boys having a snowball fight in the park, and they were thinking, we'd really like to go outside and be part of that snowball fight, because that looks 
like lots of fun. So what George did and his brother Edward was they waited till uh, their nanny, I guess, wasn't looking and they snuck outside the palace and went into the park all wrapped up and got involved in this big snowball fight. But then something bad happened. One of the boys picked up a snowball and it must have had a stone in it. He threw it. Another one ducked and it smashed a window. And so everyone panicked. And a local policeman saw it happen and he rounded up George and Edward and one of the local street boys. And so he had all three of them there. And they were a bit panicky because a window had just been smashed and the policeman was there. So the policeman turned to George and he said, you there, what's your name? And George said, please, sir, my name is George and I am the Prince of Wales. (laughs) And the policeman thought, aye, right you are. So he turned to the next boy and said, what's your name? He said, please, sir, my name's Edward and I'm the Duke of York. And now the policeman got really, really angry. So he turned to the last boy, which was a a local street boy, and he had the snot running down his face, and, and he was standing there, and he said, well, what's your name, young man? And the local lad looked at his two new posh friends with amazing admiration, and he said, I can't lie, officer. I'm the Archbishop of Canterbury. And the point is this, boys and girls, that policeman and that wee boy didn't recognize that right next to them was their future king because they didn't expect that their future king would hang out with common people. Well, listen to this. We are about to celebrate Christmas, and at Christmas time, we celebrate God's king, the Lord Jesus, coming down from the throne room of heaven to be with us. And you know, what, what was crazy was that when Jesus came as God's king, we're actually told that a lot of people didn't recognize him. In fact, one of Jesus' friends, a guy called John, he wrote this about Jesus coming. He said this, even though Jesus made the world, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You see, Jesus is the only great eternal king of the world. And yet many people, when he came, didn't want anything to do with him. They didn't believe him. But John goes on to say this, and this is the good news. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he has given them the right to be children of God. You see, this is why King Jesus came down, boys and girls, because Without Jesus, we are not God's friends. In fact, the Bible goes so far as to say that we are God's enemies. We are people walking about in the dark. But Jesus has come to make us friends with God, to bring us back to God. He has come to make it possible for us to be forgiven of all the bad stuff that we have done. And if we believe in Jesus' name, we are not God's enemies. We are God's friends. It's like Jesus has come from the throne room of heaven to us to take us back with him into the palace. And that is the good news of Christmas. Christmas, this is the time 
King Jesus came down to us to make us friends with God. Let me pray, and you can go back to your seat. Father, thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus, and Jesus, that you were willing to come and live amongst us. And though you you came to your own and they did not recognize you, yet to all who have believed in your name, you have given us the right to be called children of God. Thank you that because you came, Jesus, we are not enemies, but we are children of uh, our heavenly Father. Thank you that you have taken us into the palace of heaven. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andy. At this point in the service, we're going to take up our collection. The money here is used for the work of the gospel, both here and further afield. And as we do this, we're going to sing the song, Love, Joy, Peace. As the band begin to play, let's stand and sing, Love, Joy, Peace. Um, so for this song, we're going to do something a bit different. So we're going to be singing it, and when it comes to the chorus, we're going to use Makaton, um, which is used by people who are deaf and in a lot of primary schools as well. So um, Chris and I will teach you the signs. <laughs> um, so love is this, um, and then joy, <laughs> and then peace is like a string, um, and then everyone, uh, Christ and then king and come. So we'll just do that one more time. So we've got love, joy, peace, everyone, Christ, king, and come. Okay, great.
Bro, please do be seated. And if involved in Sunday school or crash, I'd like to head through the door here to my left and your right. We turn now to our Old Testament reading this morning to help us better understand our passage from the sermon. We're in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7 on page 693, and Bernard will read that for us. So as you've heard, we're in the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 9. This can be found in the Church Bible on page 693. This is what God's word says. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Bernard. Let's stand and sing Psalm uh, 2, verses 1 to 6, before Andy comes to preach. The tune will be Hereford. Let's stand and sing.
Thanks, Craig. Um, please, if you have uh, a Bible, open it at Luke chapter 2, um, page 1028, if you have one of the church Bibles. Um, let me add my welcome to Craig's. My name's Andy. I'm doing the, the church plant from St. Peter's here in Charleston, a scheme in the uh, northwest of the city. Uh, and what we're doing over the um, these three weeks in the run-up to Christmas is we are looking together at the first songs that were recorded around the birth of Jesus. So um, the first ever Christmas carols. And they come from this gospel, the gospel of Luke. Luke uh, uh, is a very musical gospel. But the reason that Luke wrote this was to give us certainty about the facts involving Jesus. That is his big aim. He wants us to be certain about what is true in regards to who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what it means for us to follow Jesus. So I was saying last week that he doesn't begin his gospel by saying once upon a time or long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, This is not a fairy story. This is carefully written, thought out fact and history. And in the first two chapters of Luke's gospel, he records for us the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. And one of the things, I think, well, the thing that Luke would want us to be certain of as he records these events is this, the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises that God had given to Israel. The birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises that God had given to Israel. Jesus is the proof that God always does what he says. And therefore, Jesus' birth in human history is is this climactic event. It's It's the moment that is worthy of great celebration and joy when all these magnificent promises that God had given for thousands of years are are finally about to be realized. And that's why uh, these first two chapters are very musical. It's just a lot of singing, a lot of joy. People, Israel, had been waiting, the world had been waiting a long time for this moment. So last week we saw the, uh, the beautiful song of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Today we're going to look at the song that the angels sing at Jesus' birth. It's a very short yet significant song, and it's really about one thing peace. That's something that uh, is often talked about at Christmas. This is the period of peace. This is the period of of goodwill. But here's the problem, right? Right before we even come and look at this, that whole notion of peace for many people just seems sappy and sentimental and false. As if we are, as if we have gone back into fairyland. As if Christmas is like escapism from from the reality of what's actually going on in this world. Uh, You know the famous story, don't you, of the British and German soldiers in the First World War when they suspended their fighting on the 25th of December, uh, came up from the trenches, they sang carols together, even had a game of football. Uh, I believe it was uh, in one of the famous John Lewis Christmas adverts. wonderful image of peace. And it sounds great, but here's the problem with that story. The problem with that story is the 26th of December. The next day, they're shooting each other dead. 
It's not peace, is it? It's, it's a great display of compassion, but it's not peace. It seems frothy. And I know when we talk about Christmas being a time of peace, that seems a million miles away from many people. Christmas is often a time of conflict, a time of hurt, a time of loneliness and anxiety for many people. How can we talk about peace in a world where there is such brokenness? Well, here's the thing about what the Bible says about peace. It's not froth. It's not wishy-washy. It's not sentimental. The peace that the angels sing of at the arrival of Jesus is profound, it is radical, and it is life-changing. It's a peace that the sick, the suffering, the dying can have. It's a peace that the lonely can have. It's the peace that the hurting can have. It's a peace, as the Scripture says, that surpasses all human understanding. But in order for us to get it, we need to understand what we need peace from. And it's not peace from war or family breakdown or, or hurt, uh, as serious as those things are. We need peace, first and foremost, with God. Because here's the truth. We're not playing let's pretend. This world is messed up because of us. And we are all engaged in a war that we might be ignorant to, and it's a war that is against the God who made us. The Bible says that we are by nature God's enemies. We do not listen to Him. We have rebelled against Him. We serve ourselves. And that is the reason why there is so much brokenness in this world. That is the reason why there, there is hurt and, and death and disease and evil because of our sin. And so for all of us, we are in a very serious problem because for all of us, looming on the horizon of our lives is the threat of God's eternal judgment which is building up like a ferocious tsunami. But Christmas, Christmas is when we celebrate the moment that that changed. This baby, the Lord Jesus, has come to do what we could never do, to bring peace between us and God, to make sure that there is no judgment for us, but reconciliation. And that's why when he arrives, the angels sing this great song in verse 14. This is what we're going to focus on, this song. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So I want to examine that song in a bit more detail. And well, I guess just like last week, whether Christmas is an exciting time for you or not, I want us to see how knowing the peace that Jesus has brought us can bring real joy and motivate real lasting singing. Two things just to notice about the song. Firstly, there is rejoicing from God's angels. Second thing to notice, there is reconciliation for God's people rejoicing from God's angels and reconciliation for God's people. Firstly then, rejoicing from God's angels. Glory to God in the highest heaven. So before we think about the reasons why, why we should be singing at Christmas, it's helpful to realize that heaven sings at Christmas. 
This event is the most significant moment in human history when heaven meets earth. And so great is it that it prompts this great host of angels to just burst into song. Now, here's where we've got to um, maybe take the tinsel off of this a wee bit. I know we're going to have a nativity next week, and there's somebody, no doubt, going to be a very cute wee angel. Um, here's what you've got to understand about angels in the Bible, not to take away from those cute wee angels. Angels in the Bible are not cute. Um, They're these terrifying celestial beings, and every time someone sees an angel in the Bible, they don't think, oh, that's nice. Uh, they, They fall to their knees in fear, terrified like the shepherds did here. These are are scary, scary beings. And the shepherds, what they see in the sky is not a choir in white dressing gowns. Look carefully at verse 13. Suddenly, a great company, it's not called a choir, is it, of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. That's military language. What the shepherds see is not a choir, it's an army this great celestial army that would make any army on earth look like tiny little ants. But instead of them marching to war, they come together to sing. And the very first words of this song, like all the songs the angels sing, it's not about you or me. They're about God. The first words of this carol are the glory of God. Give him glory. And so the greatness of what Christmas is all about must begin with the greatness of God. All heaven praises him because he is about to do something incredible. He's not not standing by watching this. This is God taking center stage in human history. This is God's glory about to be magnified and radiated against the backdrop of mankind's sin and rebellion. The arrival of Jesus is when God makes much of himself, not us. Because look at who Jesus is. Verse 11, he's described in three ways. Firstly, he is the Savior. This is the child who has come to save the world from their sins. Secondly, he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. That means he is God's chosen king. So don't be fooled by his humble beginnings. This baby in the manger is the Lord of lords, the king of kings. He is the head of that great celestial army. Thirdly, he is the Lord. He is God. God in the flesh. God come to us. God come to rescue and to rule. And so this unique event of great joy must begin with giving all honor and all praise and all glory to him alone. We cannot put ourselves on center stage. That's why people don't have peace. Because the world is not about you. It's all about him first and foremost. He didn't come to rescue us because we deserve it. Christian, he's not saved you from your sin because you are great. He has done it because he is great. And he will make much of his name through rescuing undeserving sinners like me. He will make much of his grace and much of his love. I'm just a worm, a sinful man 
and yet he has saved me, he has loved me, he has given me eternal peace, and as I said to the kids, he has made me a child of God. But all glory goes to him. And this is where we've got this idea of, um, of Christmas peace wrong. Christmas begins not with our initiative to be at peace with one another. Christmas begins with God's initiative to be at peace with us. When we put ourselves at the center of our own we universe, we will eventually be left dissatisfied, despairing, and alone. Because we ain't God. The reason that we don't have peace in this world is because we foolishly try to live as if we are God. But when God puts himself at the rightful place at the center of the universe, it brings a flood of peace and joy that changes the world and that will radically change your life. So to see the peace of Christmas, don't begin with you, begin with him. Then you'll see the amazing thing that he has done for his glory. So the first thing we see is that there is rejoicing from heaven, rejoicing from the angels. It leads to the second point. This is why they're rejoicing, because there's reconciliation for God's people. Look at the second part of the song. And on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When God gets the glory, we get peace. What is this peace? It's not some inner feeling of tranquility. It's not this kind of inner zen, the the little book of calm. It's a peace between us and God. It's us no longer being uh, at war, at enmity with the one who made us. It's an incredible thing, isn't it? When when two people who who were once enemies are, are brought together in reconciliation, if you can achieve that at Christmas time, it would, it would be great, wouldn't it? If, if there's fallout in the family, and, and at this Christmas time, it would be great if we could all just get together and, and those wounds could be healed and we could be reconciled. Maybe it's not possible, but it would be great. But even if that did happen, it's absolutely nothing compared to the reconciliation that Jesus brings. He's come to bring peace between us and God. That's what the angels mean when they sing about peace. That's what you need. Look, it's, it's, not, it's not just that, that, that mankind has been ignorant towards God. That's not the problem. It's not that we've been ignorant towards God. Otherwise, all we'd need from heaven is just more information. And the Bible's clear that actually there's, there's what can be known about God is plain to all, but we suppress the truth to suit our own sinful ends. It's not just that, that mankind is just indifferent towards God. Otherwise, all, all we'd need is just, is just to be motivated to, to like Him and to look to Him. We are His enemies, and therefore what we need is not information or motivation. What we need is reconciliation. We are rebels, lost and darkened by our own sin, rebels against the King of the universe, under the curse of death, and doomed for judgment. We need to see how serious the problem is before we can understand how wonderful the solution is was provided. We need to be reconciled, and that is why he came. 
Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born, and He has come to save us from our sins, or or more specifically, to save us from God's anger against our sins, to bring peace. If you've ever been here and you've tried to reconcile with someone who's done you wrong, it's not an easy thing to do. It often requires a lot of hurt. And if they've really hurt you, there, there needs to be justice for the wrong that they've done. And so this is the problem that God has. He wants to save us, but we don't deserve it. There has to be justice for the wrong that we do. He can't just forget the wrong stuff that we do. Otherwise, he's not a good God. So how can he destroy sin without destroying us? How can he bring peace whilst at the same time still punish the wrong that we have done? And that is the issue, that is the conundrum that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, solves. His birth was the arrival of peace, but the great achievement of peace, the climax of Luke's gospel, is his death on the cross. Because on the cross, if you picture that image of the tsunami of God's anger against us for all the wrong that we have done, that tsunami falls on Jesus so that it doesn't fall on us. Prophet Isaiah, we read a bit of Isaiah's prophecy earlier. This is why he calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. He also says this, this is 700 years before Jesus was born. Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. And so you see, this is not sappy or sentimental or wishy-washy. What Jesus has, has done for us, crushed for my iniquities, punished so I could have peace, wounded so that I could be healed. He is a great God. He is so, so good. And the angels have to sing when they see his plan unfolding. Look at what he is doing. Or as uh, one great carol puts it, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. But did you notice verse 14? It's not for everyone. Wouldn't we want it to say peace for everyone on earth? It's not what it says, does it? On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's those on whom God's favor rests, which raises the question, how do you know that that's you? How do you know that God's favor rests on you and that you you are at peace with God? And very simply, if you were to read through Luke, you'll see that those on whom God's favor rests are those who are humbly repentant. It's those who come to God and say, I'm sorry, and ask for his forgiveness. And they are at peace. Do you know there's uh, one other part of Luke's gospel um, where heaven sings? And it's in Luke 15. 
when Jesus speaks about a lost sinner coming home, when a sinful person that admits that they've done wrong and they turn to God for forgiveness, Jesus says the moment that someone does that, there is great joy in heaven and there is great singing amongst the angels because that person was lost, but now they have been found. That person was an enemy, but now they are at peace. And so heaven sings. This is good news for the most humble. Why do the angels appear to shepherds? Right, this is the king, the Messiah. Why, why not go to, um, to Caesar Augustus's palace in the middle of Rome? Why, why announce it? to these shepherds. Uh, shepherds are just normal working class guys. It, it was, if it was today, it would be like an army of angels appearing to some geezers on a building site and telling them about the arrival of the great king of the world. But they appear to shepherds because that is exactly who the Savior has come for. Jesus' standards are not our standards. Those whom everyone might deem as insignificant are not insignificant to Jesus. And so if you feel lonely and isolated, he cares. He has come for you. He has come to, to bring peace between you and God. Not peace with others in the world. Because let me tell you, it's really hard to follow Jesus. And if you do follow him, chances are you'll get a lot of flack. And life will become not easier, but maybe more complicated and more difficult. In fact, Jesus says this later in Luke's gospel. This, this, this verse did not make it to the Christmas cards. This is what he says. I've not come to bring peace, but division. Luke twelve fifty one. I would love our Christmas sermon on that. Um, and he's meaning, look, if you follow me, it will cause a lot of friction between family and friends that don't follow me. Not peace with others, but peace with God and peace with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. There is now no judgment. There is now no anger ever on those who have come to Christ. No matter the opposition you face, no one will ever successfully be against you. You are at peace with the God who has given you everything by giving you Jesus. No matter the sin that we struggle to fight with, no one will ever successfully condemn you because you are at peace with the God who justifies you. No matter the suffering we face, no one will ever take you from him. You are at peace with the God whose love is inseparable in Christ Jesus. You have been reconciled to the God of all glory if you've turned to Jesus and said sorry and no one can take that from you. That's why Christmas is worth singing. Let me just point you to the responses that we actually see to this. And I guess that they are the kind of responses that we should have today as we reflect on the fact that God has uh, reconciled us. Three responses, they all begin with P, so you can remember them. Firstly, there's the response of proclamation. What do the shepherds do at this great news? Verse 17, they go out and they spread the word. This is good news that needs to be told, and it needs to be told urgently. There's no faffing about with the shepherds. Because now we know that there is hope where previously we thought there was none. There is life where previously there was only death and judgment. 
Do you really believe that Jesus has reconciled you back to God? If so, should we not be desperately trying to tell others who aren't reconciled? This news is is infinitely better than a cure for cancer. And I picked those words carefully. It's infinitely better. It's eternal peace. So tell your course mates, tell your colleagues, tell your family and friends. Why not invite them along next Sunday to church or to a carol service? Offer to read through Luke's gospel with them. It's amazing how many people are up for that. What's the worst that can happen? They'll say no and you'll be a, feel a bit awkward. It's a small price to pay compared to what is being offered. This is good news of eternal peace. And so the first response is one of proclamation, but the second response is one of pondering. I don't just go and tell others. What does Mary do in verse 19? Um, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. There you go. Doesn't it have all the ring of an eyewitness? You can see Mary probably was one of the eyewitnesses that Luke interviewed as he wrote this gospel. She treasures up what she hears these shepherds saying about what the angels sung. Treasures it, ponders it. In other words, don't let this truth simply go in one ear and out the other. Uh, Yeah, yeah, peace, I've heard that before. Think about what does that mean for you to be at peace with God this week. Ponder it and treasure it. Treasure the great truth, and that will be the anchor that your soul needs when it goes through the inevitable hard times that life will throw at you. We're going to sing a song in a minute that was written by a man after he'd suffered a great loss, and yet it's full of hope, full of hope because he treasured the great truth of being at peace with God. Proclamation, pondering, and the final response is praising. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God always does what He says. It's the whole point of the first two chapters of Luke. And that's why we're at peace, because He said He would do that. That's why we glorify Him and praise Him. When you really get what Jesus has done, it just, it just produces praise. It just, it just has to be praise. It's, it's the natural outworking of understanding this, this great reconciliation. It's like C.S. Lewis said, we we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. He says, when you see a nice bit of scenery, you don't just keep it to yourself. You have to tell someone because it's it's wonderful. When you hear a joke, you don't just laugh to yourself. You have to tell someone because it's, it's enjoyable. Praise expresses what, what we feel and what we understand, and our joy is not complete until we can praise Him for what He has done. And it's a great joy to know this Christmas that no matter what happens or what has happened to me in the past, and Christmas brings up all these terrible memories, no matter what, it is well with my soul. We have infinite reason to praise Him and to give so much glory to God because He does exactly what He says He does. And we are at peace 
with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great carol, the angels sung, short and yet to the point. You are worthy of great glory because of what you have done. Father, we are by ourselves and by our nature sinners, rebels, enemies. We are in the dark. We are lost. And yet at Christmas we celebrate the fulfillment of all those promises you gave to Israel. Promises not just of saving them, but of saving the whole world. Of bringing us out of the darkness into the light. Of rescuing the lost so that they would be found. Of taking enemies and making them children. And making peace by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us. Thank you. Father, for that wonderful news. No matter what happens, no matter what we go through, you are with us. You will not forsake us. You cannot abandon us. You're not indifferent to us, but you care because we are not objects of wrath. We are your children. We are at peace with you now, and we will be at peace with you forever. And so help us to understand what it means to say and to sing. It is well with my soul. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing our final hymn, that hymn, uh, It Is Well. Let's stand and sing this as the band begin to play. And please remain standing um, for the closing uh, prayer.
the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.